0: Hi, and welcome to Episode 19 of the Connext Podcast. Today, I'm pleased to present an interview with RTI Market Development Director David Nuolni, hosted by Lacey Trayball. In this episode, we'll talk about the most popular trends happening in the healthcare industry today. We'll also discuss the importance of security and encrypting data in motion, as well as how IoT technology is helping to reduce medical errors in hospitals across the country. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks for joining us.
1: No, great to be back.
0: Okay, so just so everyone knows, today we're going to be talking about the vertical market that David happens to be in charge of on the product and market side, and that's healthcare and medical. So for those of you who don't know, I'm really quickly just going to go over some of the big driving forces for change in the healthcare industry. There are things that I'm sure you've all heard about and read about because I know that we talk about them a lot and we're definitely not alone in this. So the first point, it, it relates to medical error. And medical error is the third leading cause of death. That's crazy. And when you consider how often many of us have to go into a hospital when we're in a vulnerable state, you know, things are already not going well for us if we're there, most likely. And the fact that you're in there and Third leading cause of death is on the other side of that door is a little scary.
1: And every time I hear that stat, it's like you always think of, you know, cancer, cardiac disease, yeah. you know, all of these other, to yeah. me, you know, major chronic chronic disease problems. You always hear about, you know, healthcare costs. But when you start really thinking about the personal aspect of going to the hospital, your chance of accidental death goes up significantly.
0: Over 200,000 deaths a year, they think are caused by medical error, according to John Hopkins. Yeah. 200,000. Thousand. I don't like that number. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. it's exactly why uh, we at RTI and I'd say the entire technology industries, you know, focus on healthcare. I think a, a ton of opportunity there.
0: Definitely Re- reducing error. That's a place technology can definitely help. Um, the second point is the cost of healthcare. Now, pretty much everyone knows whether you're getting that amount taken out of your paycheck. Through work, or if it's something that you're actually having to pay out of pocket for, healthcare is incredibly expensive. Doctor appointments, um, prescription refills, therapy sessions, whatever it is that you're needing to pay for that relates to healthcare, the cost of it goes up every year. And the healthcare as a percentage of GDP has increased two to three times globally.
1: Yeah, another amazing stat. I mean, the U.S. is definitely on the the high end of that at three X, but this is definitely yeah. a global problem, not something that's uh, just a uh, United States issue. So something we see across the board. I mean, it's just crazy to think. And again, looking at technology, technology generally makes businesses more efficient, and that's again another reason I think a lot of the technologists are, are really focused on seeing what we can do here. I mean, for for years, healthcare has gone down the path of extending life at a cost. And that cost continues to increase, actually, you know, in the last 10 years, much faster than we're actually extending people's lives.
0: So the cost is increasing, as well as the possibility of a medical error resulting in your death.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't two, like that. Two, two not ideal <laughs> trends coming together.
0: Okay. A third common point that people talk about is the aging population. And it's noted that by 2025, 1.2 billion of the 8 billion people on Earth will be considered elderly, which 1.2 billion is equivalent to the population of India. That is a lot of people who are going to be hitting a point in their life where they will be needing to use the healthcare system, which with the cost of it and the medical errors that line up behind it, you kind of wonder, is the system capable of handling such a load? And what's going to happen if we don't make some big changes?
1: Well, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, I think we talked about the cost cost of healthcare is increasing, but you know we have made some significant progress in the last fifty years in terms of extending life and I think with that now you're seeing the the baby boomers is kind of this first group of folks that uh you know is going to be living well into their eighties maybe nineties you know even over a hundred so having that many people uh over the age of uh, of sixty is definitely going to be taxing on the healthcare system. Another stat that I saw was I think it was something on the order of seventy five percent of your healthcare costs are spent in the last year of your life. I've seen that. I mean one. it's it's crazy to, to to think about that. now we're all, you know, living longer, trying to age as gracefully as, as we possibly can, but at the same time, that's really where the cost uh, cost comes into play. And that's all the hospitalization and everything that goes along with that.
0: The last point we're gonna go over really quick, it's the shortest of physicians. I don't think anyone in any country is not noticed. It takes a really long time to get an appointment for things, not just for specialists. To see your primary care physician can take weeks or months, and that is not considered to be abnormal. And I know that hospitals are drastically understaffed, especially with their nursing. And how do we address the shortage of skilled, talented doctors and nurses?
1: Well, I think that tees up perfectly. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm I'm biased here, but, you know, looking at the way businesses run, I mean, there's a lot of different businesses globally that have adopted the use of, you know, both hardware, software, just technology in general to make themselves more efficient. I mean, in terms of, you know, the auto manufacturers, you know, starting to move towards, you know, more automated factories has not only lowered the amount of quality incidents, but also ended up saving a ton of money. And this is really where I think the personal aspect of healthcare is very, very important. Interacting with someone is very, very important. It's not, you know, as uh, we'll say cold as as manufacturing, but still (laughs) you have that opportunity to make a significant impact. And, you know, really just to kind of tell you a little bit what that looks like. I mean, some of the trends that I see happening within the market, you know, and really there's kind of two big ones and the third's more of an enabling technology, but The digitization of healthcare in general. I think, you know, there isn't a medical company on earth today that isn't looking at developing a digital strategy. I mean, the internet has changed so many different businesses, you know, from consumer businesses to industrial businesses and and transformed them from really being a a product company, which I'd say most of the medical device companies are today, to a much more services model. And I think that the trend that's coming there is the value-based care that a lot of the, you know, major insurers, at least in the U.S., are putting in place and I know for the single payer systems they've had this in place for a while.
0: What's value based driving. care?
1: Basically it's only getting paid based on outcomes. So hospitals if they have someone in their hospital for longer than what is deemed appropriate for a, uh, a certain modality, you know, they're they're not going to get paid for the extra days in the hospital. So it really kind of behooves them to take care and take the best care of that that patient. Yeah. So now the fact that their business model is changing, they're needing to work with the medical device manufacturers, and you can't continue to have these capital equipment models where you're paying for something and you really don't know, are you getting the results from it? You right. want to only pay for the results that you're, uh, that you're getting. So Because you're
0: only going to get paid for the results that you give.
1: That's, that's exactly right. And I think that's really one of the main kind of driving factors in in this whole digitization of healthcare and causing a lot of these you know, really, medical device companies to take a look and, and and rethink what their strategy is. I think uh, another area, which I think is actually positive for for all of us, is just letting all of us take a little bit more control of our own healthcare. Is the consumerization of healthcare. I think you're seeing a lot more devices that you know, generally five, ten years ago would have been only available in a hospital or doctor's office, now essentially being available at commercial. your home. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of started with some of the uh, chronic disease products with, you know, blood glucose monitors. They've been around for a while, but now you have blood glucose monitors that do have cloud connectivity that are actually making recommendations for you. You have, you know, continuous glucose monitors that are actually connected to insulin pumps. And, you know, we haven't got to the point of closed-loop control yet, but we do have communication between those two devices. And I think, actually, this year at the Consumer Electronics Show, you saw a lot of hype around some of the connected cardiac devices. And these are not just, am I alive? This is actually doing, (laughs) you know, a uh, pretty detailed diagnosis of, you know, I think AFib was the main modality that they were looking at, but Basically, it can actually, you know, through uh, uh, algorithms detect some pretty serious cardiac events. Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic to see, you know, kind of those two kind of key trends. But I think the the one thing that really connects both of those is, you know, the Internet of Medical Things or the healthcare IoT. I mentioned earlier that, you know, I think the Internet does have the ability to transform businesses. But all of that said, it doesn't come without its own hurdles. I think, you know, there are certain aspects of healthcare that I mentioned make it unique. You know, one is how do you continue to keep that, you know, personal touch while you are really, you know, moving to a, you Dreamline know, I hate to say it, almost efficiency, a yeah, so. efficiency kind of outsourced model for a lot of these type of products. And, you know, with that, you know, you're not only the human aspect, but there are, as much as I'm a technology advocate, there's there's plenty of technology challenges that come along with that. I mean, in terms of, one, you need to create a uh, connected product. So first, step one, connecting to the Internet. And everybody knows all of the issues that uh, you find out immediately in terms of security considerations. <laughs> so it's like, okay, yes, you're, you're grabbing this efficiency, but how much additional risk are you putting on uh, you know, yourself, your hospital, your patient base, just in terms of security. So those well, are kind and there's of the-, the
0: additional risk added by in the medical community, they have the HIPAA requirements that they also have to meet. So you cannot simply send data around on any connection in a hospital, you can't just leave files even out, you have to actually truly secure that data before it even is in transit.
1: That is true. A security strategy for connectivity is exceptionally important. And that, you know, really kind of breaks down to all forms of technology. And I think we're all kind of in this hardware and software space, you know, looking to work together to kind of create a complete solution for the medical device community, you know, looking all the way down to, you know, the the chip and silicon level and some of the security that you can actually put into hardware down to designing your actual board level, And then, you know, some of the most important is, you know, now that you're connected to the internet, how do you actually secure that data, both at rest and in motion? And I'll talk about this a little bit later. But, you know, it is one of the, I think, kind of core components of the RTI Connects DDS is, you know, as a connectivity framework, having that focus around a secure architecture, and not only securing, you know, the data that is at rest, but also making sure that data in motion is encrypted. So, Uh, Again, a strategy that I think needs to be thought of, you know, top to bottom, and probably one of the most important pieces of a a healthcare IoT or just a, a connected health strategy. And I guess, you know, the other piece that, uh, you know, I kind of briefly glossed over is the connectivity portion. And I'd say that's one area that, at least from a connectivity standard standpoint, I think has worked itself out over time. I mean, I think almost every medical device, you know, when I started kind of focusing on the, the healthcare medical community about 10 years ago, and it was actually pretty rare to even have a USB port on a medical device. Seriously? I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, you're now 10 years after they've been, you know, introduced on PCs, and they just saw it as a... As a risk, I mean,
0: what did they have?
1: RS two thirty two. I mean, basically just serial <laughs> ports. So it was like you just had serial ports in the back of the devices, and that was what they used to do. You know, any sort of software or firmware updates, but they did them so rarely, just due to the the risk that was associated with it. I mean, mm-hmm. when they developed a product, we'll say the old mantra was, you know, if it works, definitely don't change it. I mean, the verification and validation that they needed to go through to get that product to market. Huge time and effort. So there was a, a pretty big incentive, unless there was something major wrong,
0: not to not do updates.
1: It. And then I think, you know, it kind of came to the point of technology was just changing so fast that your products would become outdated that you needed to constantly be uh, making some sort of, you know, f- firmware updates, software updates to not only stay current with your product. But also make sure that if you did find any bugs, you were, uh, you were actually them. constantly resolving them. And I think the speed at which that's being done is just only increased, which is one of the reasons I think you know we went from you know RS two thirty two to USB. I think most things are now Ethernet connected. But on top of that, I think almost every device now has you know Wi Fi and Bluetooth integrated, kind of for the the thought that eventually you can move towards you know wireless sensors. I think you know one of the craziest pictures is. You know, not only in a a hospital do you have all of this equipment around a patient, the amount of wires and sensors that are on an individual is Is pretty unbelievable. I mean, you can't get up, you can't move. You're supposed to get up and you're supposed to move, but it's almost like you need to walk with this whole train of stuff as you're moving down the hall. Sometimes
0: when you walk, they'll hold your stuff for you because you have to hold your gown closed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, uh, you know, it is kind of nice to see, you know— Forward thinking, again, this is more along the lines of patient care, ease of use. I mean, getting to a a wireless sensor model and actually designing products with with that in mind, I think is a step in the right direction. But all of that said, you do need to make sure you have that uh, security component uh, involved because, you know, connectivity is one piece. Wireless connectivity is a whole new ballgame. I I think it opens up uh, a lot of doors. And also, I mean, specifically just in terms of, you know, wired versus wireless, when you're making your connectivity decisions, I mean, you also need to be looking at, you know, latency and payload. I mean, how much data is actually coming from these sensors and, you know, does it make sense to have it wired? I mean, you definitely don't want to reduce the level of care you're giving just for convenience. So it's how do you keep the same level of care, improve the patient experience, and, you know, really that involves around, you know, choosing the right connectivity and choosing the appropriate security for that as well. So the next kind of key piece, and I'd say this is almost the the holy grail of a healthcare IoT system, is once you're connected, I think the vision is you now have access to a whole lot of data All that you data. may not have had before, <laughs> yes. which, again, opens up a, an immense amount of business models from the uh, medical device manufacturers and potentially you know whole new ecosystems of partners that could spawn up from this healthcare IoT revolution. But- the, the real key piece, I think, for those of us that are patients, and especially from our uh, insurance providers, is looking at the power of that data and what can you do in terms of, you know, probably two overused words in uh, the technology industry, you know, AI and, and and machine learning. You know, everybody thinks that that really is going to save the world, and I think we're just in the early phases. I mean, it's step one, get access to all of the, the, the data from these devices, but we do have that opportunity to begin actually creating algorithms and even self-learning algorithms that are going to continue to improve themselves over time, which is really going to address, I think, that first point that we brought up in this podcast of how do you reduce the amount of medical error in a hospital? So the real benefit to AI is the ability for clinicians to have decision support software. So now they can take a look at all of this data and then make sense of it in a much quicker means. I think a lot of people think of you know AI uh, replacing jobs, people, <laughs> your healthcare is never going to be done by robots. I mean, that personal aspect, I think, is is very, very important. And you're going to have a doctor there, but wouldn't it be great to have a doctor that has access to all of the information and a machine learning algorithm that actually advising him based on years and years and years of data on what to do? Yes, he'll right. still have the final say, but there's no way that your doctor or any doctor could process the amount of information that, uh, exactly. you know, I think we that all know you can contain be
0: contain in your medical record. Yeah. I mean, and just as an example, I was in a hospital, and I know this is such a big problem, two years ago, and I, over the course of a couple months of treatment, had a binder of my own medical data that they were printing out, and the surgeons were passing back and forth before I had a really simple operation, and... I'm looking at this. They walk in with this bi- a binder. They walk in with this thing, and I ask them like, "What is that?" They're like, "Oh, it's just it's a portion of your medical record that we all review before we go and perform any procedures." And I'm like, "Can I see it?" And they're like, "Oh, we're, we're not supposed to." I'm like, "It's mine," you know. And and then they left, and I might have taken a look at it, and it didn't. It contained everything I've said to them. Now, the most well-meaning surgeon does not have five hours to prep before they meet me and perform a surgery, right? To go over that, and then to ask follow up questions and to gain clarity. And to me, I, I feel like a big benefit of AI, especially in types of situations like this, just because it's one of the only ones I know, is that it has the ability to give the actionable data to the person who needs it. So think like a surgeon only needs to know certain things, but the anesthesiologist needs to know a different set of things about the same person. And some of those data, you know, variables they might overlap, but at the end of the day, the view on the data. That is most important for the surgeon and for the the surgical staff, the radiologist, it's different for all of them. And AI can give you that at the press of a button. Whereas, you know, the most well meaning surgical staff team, it would take hours to do that properly.
1: And they don't have And they don't have
0: hours because they're operating in a very reactive place where my surgery got pushed back like four times because people had like real pressing emergencies. So this is that could be huge for them. Yes.
1: I mean I think that's probably the, the the biggest opportunity here but you know it's kind of a step by step process of how do you actually one get these devices connected yes. two make sure that that data is secure enough that you can actually begin capturing it and storing it and you don't have you know that security and HIPAA concerns that you can actually take and move forward with AI and create these you know clinical decision support mm-hmm. and I will say a lot of that Is going on now. I mean, I think there was a a nice push for getting electronic medical record data online. You know, it was a slow process, but it it is there. And you're now starting to see some, you know, new technologies. I think one that, you know, I've been following actually really closely is a couple technologies called Smart on Fire. And Fire is really an interoperability protocol that allows data to be published and extracted from uh, electronic medical records. So, regardless of vendor, Data can be put in these medical records, but this is all data that would be, you know, how would we say it? Probably many minutes, hours, months of data. We'll say anything the opposite of real time. Real time (laughs) is definitely not capturable. So this is a time slice of your medical record. And I have to give them credit. I mean, it's much more information than we had before before. But the smart app platform actually allows you to now, you know, write apps, start using clinical decision support software on top of that. But really, I think where the the kind of holy grail is, in the real-time, you know, how do you get to real-time closed-loop control, real-time clinical decision support? Because so what kind
0: of data really is real-time data? Can you give an example?
1: I'd say the area where you see more real-time data than anywhere is, you know, in the operating room and yes. in the ICU.
0: Patient so monitoring type thing. This names. is
1: patient monitoring, taking all of your vital signs, I mean, your your ECG, your body temperature, your respiration rate, you know, flows of any of the, uh, you know, different pharmaceutical products that you may beyond when you're in the hospital. It seems like, you know, just entering the hospital, you're at least on one drip of of some sort. So it's monitoring that. And when we say real time, I mean, this is, you know, seconds down to microseconds. I mean, where, where time really makes a difference. And going back to that, you know, 200,000 people, you know, potentially dying due to medical errors, those are not the medical errors that take 30, 40 minutes, you know, an hour to make a decision on. This is something happens immediately. Someone needs to make a judgment call quickly. And we're humans. I mean, you, you make errors. And I think that's just, you know, life and, and, and we need to understand that. But I think there are opportunities to leverage technology to, to make that happen. And that's really where kind of tying this a little bit back into where RTI is focused and some of the kind of core competencies of the Connects DDS product is really focusing on real-time Connectivity and enabling the market to do real time connectivity. So, you know, I mentioned, yes, there is a solution and yes, there's an app platform for non real time data, but that's not, I think, where you're going to make the the most significant impact. And the most significant impact is going to come into uh, the real time aspect. And, you know, the other nice thing about RTI Connects DDS is, yes, it solves the real time problem. But it also opens the door to interoperability with other medical devices. The fact that it provides syntactic interoperability, really you just need a standard data model, which, yes, it is a challenge in the industry. (laughs) But I think it's just nice to see uh, across the board, I think major medical device companies are uh, open to the idea of, step one, integrating their own devices and integrating their own solutions. And then I think down the road, you know, 15, 20 years, we, we may get to a point where we're completely Interoperable, and we, you know, we have an interoperable healthcare system, and I think you know DDS and Connects DDS sets up a framework for that.
0: Enabling technologies,
1: yeah, enabling technologies are great, and it's, it's so cool to uh, you know be part of enabling technology that can enable so many different areas within a market, really rather is. than just a single technology. And a lot of fantastic applications for uh, DDS and RTI DDS in the market. And I know you know you do have different opportunities to uh, use DDS. I think there was just actually recently a, an open source model that was put out there. But I'd say, you know, for anyone considering the creation of kind of a, a real-time, interoperable healthcare IoT system, you know, the, the questions you really need to be asking yourself is, I mean, at this point, you're, you're signing up a extension of your software development team. And you're looking for someone who's a, a trusted advisor, someone who has a history of implementations highly secure, really reliable applications. So, you know, someone who has a history in aerospace and defense, I think, you know, really is a perfect play for a healthcare type customer base.
0: The five nines reliability, all that stuff, it comes into play in that one too. Yeah. All very important.
1: I mean, we'll say some of the the good and bad about the healthcare market, and I think it it definitely benefits them is they're generally not on the cutting edge of technology. (laughs) Uh, and there's reasons for that. I mean, I think it's it's definitely safer to adopt technologies that have been tried, true, and played. And things that have either aerospace and defense type certifications or even uh, automotive specifications generally resonate really well and are adopted, I think, much more quickly. And I think, you know, I was talking a little bit about, you know, using AI for autonomous type applications. Uh, you know, what better technology to use than than things being used in autonomous vehicles, both in the air and and on land. And that's really where uh, RTI has had some great success.
0: Okay, so another very hot topic, not just, um, well, actually, I have not yet really seen it applied to the healthcare industry, but hot topic in general. So blockchain. Now, blockchain can be leveraged here and... Specifically, with regard to security. So, could you talk a little bit about how that might work and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think outside of uh, AI, blockchain is probably the latest and greatest buzzword, and I think that's we're hitting them all. Yeah, even even more on the uh, forefront of what actually can you do with it. And I mean, it took me a little while. I'm not uh, huge into the, the the cryptocurrency world, but I did you know look at the underlying technology and you know with a lot of other uh, industry folks. I mean, you, you see the opportunity for really securing digital health records. So you look at the way that EHR is today, and Lacey, I think you mentioned today you don't have access to no. your EHR. I mean, it's basically for your doctors and it's a great first step to actually get that digitized and put into an electronic record versus a, a, a giant binder. But the next piece would be, how do you actually secure and timestamp that those of us as consumers could all get access to that data whenever we wanted to? the doctors could all get access to that data whenever we wanted to. I mean, it's really just a—it's nothing more than a secure distributed EHR. I mean, that's really the, the key in the way I see blockchain being used. I mean, it gives secure access to anyone and uh, that does include, I think, the, the patient that it's involved. And the other nice thing, specifically with blockchain, and this kind of goes along the lines of HIPAA, is it's much, much easier to then take that data and share it with research communities anonymously. So now you essentially get the patient name, all of the sensitive patient the data out. And now you have the ability to be, really begin, you know, creating, you know, software applications, medical device. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, the access to the data will be huge, and that's really where I see this going. Is you know, step one, get access to that data then they're going to be applying some AI and machine learning. Once blockchain really comes to fruition, that's going to secure and democratize that data even more that I think uh, there'll be huge innovations and huge value in that data.
0: Right. So there seems to be literally no shortage of opportunity here for us to actually really create some big change and for a lot of customers, you know, our customers, and medical device manufacturers and other people to jump on some of these great trends, but healthcare historically moves, as you mentioned, the, the slow, slow, slow pace. Do you think there is a way to drive it to move faster? Are there things happening that are helping to expedite approvals? What does it look like here?
1: Well, I will say healthcare is going to continue to lag, I think, some of the cutting edge markets. But I yeah. think the nice thing we've all seen is the technology cycles continually get faster and faster and faster. And along with that, Healthcare, though, lagging, I think, some of the bleeding-edge technology, it's continuing to get faster and faster and faster. And I think one of the things that had held it back, you know, much more 10 years ago than it is today, was regulatory and standards. So, I mean, you really had no standards organizations kind of driving a lot of, I don't want to just say interoperability, but just driving reuse. I mean, we know all these devices, as you begin creating technology it gets complex. And the medical device companies, they're generally really good at developing medical device technology. The question is, as you start adding more and more new technology, where do they want to be experts? They want to continue being experts on really what their core competency is, is servicing the the hospitals and the I doctors want and the patients.
0: To continue to be experts where their core competency is.
1: <laughs> it, it, exactly. And uh, with that, they're needing to really explore new areas. And I think that's where standards organizations come in. And then just from a pure regulatory standpoint, you know, the FDA has done a, a fantastic job in the last five years in actually building out a digital health group. And with that, you're getting certain specifications around cybersecurity interoperability. They're really doing great work there. They even have a, a new process called the uh, 510k pre-approval process just to save time in terms of bringing your product to market, almost engaging with them earlier and enlightening them on the new technology that you're developing just so right. they can get up to speed. And It's not, you know, you submit something that's the first time they've, they've ever, ever seen, seen it. And, you know, you can almost think in in, in that case, you know, you're going to reject it and get a whole bunch of questions. But if you actually engage them and begin working with them early, I think that's the type of stuff that's really going to help us all and bring some of these new technologies to market faster, as well as uh, just shorten the cycles. And along with that, I mean, you do have, you know, quite a few other groups that are... uh, developing, I don't want to say necessarily regulations, but, you know, more of that, you know, standards base that I was talking about. I mean, IEC has been, you know, continually coming out with new documents, you know, specifically in the software world, designing to IEC 62304 has become, you know, basically the standard in the industry. And then, you know, some other areas that, uh, we at RTI are engaged with and, and trying to stay close with because they are starting to define some of the standards for security and interoperability are, uh, AAMI, which is the Association of Advancement for Medical Instruments, and then uh, Center for Medical Interoperability is another group that uh, we're beginning to get a little bit closer with, and, you know, they're working very closely with some of the hospital groups to define some standards for interoperability. And then, you know, another government agency, you know, Health and Human Services, specifically the Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology is starting to take a little bit more of an active role. So some of these are new and we'll continue to monitor and follow. But to me, it at least says people want to speed up this cycle. They want to make it better. They see those of us in the technology space, the speed at which we're used to moving. And uh, I think they're they're <laughs> trying to uh, accommodate the need for introducing new technology faster.
0: I'm glad to see that.
1: Yeah, it definitely is nice. And uh, uh, again, it's it's great to see kind of, to me, all of the, the pieces of the healthcare puzzle being put together. I mean, you definitely don't want to see strain being put on the healthcare system, but all of that said, that's really what's kind of creating this inflection point, which is driving the digitization of healthcare, driving more adoption of the uh, healthcare IOT, and this need for real-time data, which, you know, we've, we've said it before. I mean, that's really where RTI is. I mean, we are at that intersection of, you know, ubiquitous connectivity and artificial intelligence. So you have all of this data and you're looking for a way to process it. You know, you really need, uh, using plumber's terms, a a pipe. Someone mentioned that data is the new oil and the combustion engine is analytics. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to put that into context of what we do at RTI. We're nothing more than, you know, a, a pipe in a refinery. It's how do we get that oil out of the ground? How do you make sure you get it there safe? No loss, and then refining it into something that that combustion engine can use. And we are really directly right in the middle there. And uh, you know, I think it really is a, a great place to be. You know, specifically having all of the experience we do on really solving these same sort of customer problems for other industries. And you know, it really allows us to, I think, be in a leadership position, be that trusted advisor. You know, provide that best-in-class support. And then I think the other key piece that kind of transitions into the regulatory environment. Having that history of working with regulated customers, we have a very detailed software creation process, all well-documented, all that we provide to customers. Uh, we do support regulatory audits. I mean, and this is not outside of our normal course of business. I mean, no, this is not. the way we've been operating for, been for years.
0: Perfect. Yes.
1: So. All of that said, I mean, it's it really is a great place to be, and a really a, a great piece of technology that we do have. You know, from a connectivity framework, when you're looking at the healthcare IoT, the best pipe out there. I mean, if, if and the you're history looking history to prove it, yeah, history to prove it. And I mean, I want the medical device manufacturers focused on just like you mentioned, solving this next generation of problems. I want them focused on the analytics. I want them focused on the real clinical healthcare needs. And they should really be looking to you know technology companies like RTI to outsource areas of uh, the technology that they really don't want to and don't have to be experts in. Let the experts handle that communication. Yeah. They can focus on the data and what to do with it.
0: Okay. Do you have anything else you want to say about healthcare and the IoT and Connects DDS or puppies? I don't know. I'm out of gas. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Connext Podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions for future interviews, please be sure to reach out to us either on social media or at podcast at rti.com. Thanks and have a great day.